now. Good evening. In just a moment, I'll connect you. Welcome to FW Presents, Siskoid and Nat at the Movies, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. Hi, I'm Matt. And we did this last year, uh, and we're doing it again. <laughs> By popular demand? Probably not, just me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, people like it, I think. Well, you know, it's a public service that mm-hmm. we render, yeah. given that we uh, go to the movies more or less every week. Uh, between the two of us, we've seen more than 50 movies in theaters this year, something like 54 or something. Mm-hmm. We've each assembled a top 10, but we're going to give cursory comments on the ones that didn't make it as well. The ground rules, we uh, will not be counting the films we saw in 2019 that were actually released in 2018, uh, which I think is really just the favorite, which we did slip in last time. We saw it like January 1st, so we had... But there's also Bumblebee on the basis of sex and Vice which are actually 2018 movies that we saw in January. Is there anything you want to say about any of these three films? Vice? (laughs) It's one of those movies uh, that I didn't really want to watch because of what it's about, but I am happy I watched it because I think the way it was done was very creative and inventive, and I really appreciated that. It was like almost like watching theater at times for me, which I thought was really cool. But the subject just bums me out, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's sad and it's upsetting. But I did enjoy it. It was more. one of my bottom feeders of the year. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it's like it would not have been on my list. No, if we no, had no, seen no, it for before. sure. No. But it's like it was, you know, it's directed by uh, McKay, who did the Big Short, and it's in that style. It d- it never really decides what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. In that, it does all these tricks. So it's a satire on the political situation that, that reveals how things really work. Yes. And shows monsters for who they are, but also, is it sort of also trying to humanize yeah, a monster? So difficult. It, yeah, it doesn't Especially always... Especially when mm. it's grounded in reality. Yeah. It's difficult to be like, oh, let's humanize this guy, knowing, like, at he's the not same, just a character. At the same time as we're... Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so it was difficult for me, but I did enjoy it more than I thought I would going into it. Right. So I gave it like a three stars on my five star rating. Same for On the Basis of Sex for different reasons. Yes, that was like, like I felt kind of empowered, but it was also kind of meh. It was, well, it's a biopic and it's also very uh, formulaic. It felt like a movie, like it was written, let's take a person's life and events and turn it into a film Mm -hmm. where there's like Chekhov's gun or Chekhov's law. (laughs) You know, where if something is mentioned, if a character is met, then they'll come back later, and it's like, well, life isn't Which, like that, so it felt a bit fake to me. One of the movies we're going to be talking about later, to me, does this way better, actually. Okay, well, let's see. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, in that lot is Bumblebee. I've never seen a Transformers movie, aside from the no, original cartoon. No, me neither, actually. I haven't seen, like, I've seen nothing. <laughs> so this, I thought this was very likable. This yeah. is the way to go if you're going to do... I agree. Giant robot transforming... Transforming robot movies. It was just kind of like a heartwarming, fun story. Yeah. Fun, like, 80s vibes. Yeah. I enjoyed nice it. Nice music. Yeah. It was just a Haley fun Steinfeld. thing. I, I wish it would have gotten more... John Cena was funny in it. Yeah, which... Good job, John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so these are the movies that um, don't count. Uh, we're also not counting live theater or special events or, you know, like, I went to see, like, a bunch of Ghibli studio movies. <laughs> they don't count. Good thing, because they could displace some... <laughs> there are a <laughs> yeah. couple of those that would have displaced movies in the top ten. We're also not counting films that went direct to streaming, but it was a big year for such things. I think yeah. it's getting more and more, you I, know... That's that's going to be the future for a lot of 
movies, yeah, I believe. Yeah, major motion yeah. pictures. Uh, with top-tier projects like The Irishman, Marriage Story, Dolomite Is My Name, uh, the Breaking Bad movie, uh, El Camino, all come to mind, although I haven't seen all of them. No. Are there streaming movies you want to single out, Matt? I mean, we did watch it recently, but I think my standout for this year has to be Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Like, it really stuck with me. And it's one of those movies that, to an extent, feels like it was, like, we were talking about this afterwards, but it kind of feels like it was made for me, and you kind of feel like it was made for you. <laughs> as soon as you get some Sondheim stuff in, I'm, like, sold. Yeah. For sure. But I just, it's done so authentically. And I really gravitate towards stories and characters that feel very real. Like, the world doesn't have to be real, but I want the people to be. And I feel like the people in this movie are 100% real. Like, they could just be real people. Yeah, even though, like, the, the divorce lawyer stuff feels almost satirical, mm-hmm. there's, like, a heightened reality where these people are going through a thing, and that thing is absurd. Yeah. But they themselves are not, you know. So, yeah, it's a very strong film. I also liked... Um, to name one for myself, Paddleton, which is a Mark Duplass movie uh, with Ray Romano in it. It is a ve- it's it's a dark comedy. Have you seen it? It's I don't a, think so. It's a really dark take. I guess Mark Duplass always does these really awkward, cringy movies. And in this one, he's dying, and mm-hmm. uh, he's decided to take. There's this pill that's available. Uh, he's been prescribed this pill that will at, at the time when he decides that he doesn't want to deteriorate, he will take the pill. Or the, the, the regime, and he will die. And he befriends his neighbor, I guess, just in those last days or those last months. And it's about this friendship, and it's about real conversations, and it's, it goes to a dark place, but also, I don't know. Connections. Yeah, really affecting oh. uh, for me. You did a good job, Ray Romano. I feel like lately yeah, he's, he's been, been in, in a couple of projects. Huh? <laughs> That's great. Good for yeah. him. Uh, any others? I think another that comes to mind that we've watched recently as well is Klaus. I think that... That just brought me a lot of joy. And like you, was, you're a, an expert on Christmas movies. <laughs> yes, I watch 25 Christmas movies, one each day from December 1st until Christmas. And so I've watched a lot over the years. And it, it I found it very fun because it wasn't overtly Christmassy either. Like, there's a weird vibe to it. I like the, like, creepy, because I also enjoy that a lot as well. The village where this takes place is... <laughs> it's a, like the, a Tim Burton yeah, kind yeah, of location. Yeah, it's Adam's family, <laughs> kind of. Uh, and then there's also a Santa... Well, the it's the origin story of mm-hmm. Santa Claus, an origin story. Something that really gets me when it comes to Christmas movies is that it's not explicitly about Christmas, if that makes any sense. Like, in this case, I think it's true. It's not just about Christmas. It's kind of about how Christmas can make you feel. That's, like, my ideal Christmas movie. If it's not strictly just a Christmas movie, it's about something. So that, I think, really works well for that, because you can see, like, a progression with the characters. You can see how they change and how giving can impact you as much as it impacts the person who receives it. So I love that. You can see the yeah. whole art. And very nice animation. It's yes. Very nice. Very film. rare to see hand-drawn things anymore. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's still computer. <laughs> yes, but, but mo- like a, a lot of it is still hand-drawn. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's like a third dimension just <laughs> underneath <laughs> the way like a beard might move. Or, yes, yeah. but it's so rare that we that they still hand-drawn. Mostly it's all just um, mm-hmm. computer done, so that's always nice too. And my second call-out will be to um, always be my baby. Yeah. So just a, yeah, just a dumb <laughs> rom-com, but uh, it's it's elevated mm-hmm. by the world that it is in uh, and all Asian cast. 
Keanu Reeves is, a, is very, very funny <laughs> yes. in this uh, as well. And um, Hello Peril, the band, which I wasn't <laughs> sure was good music. <laughs> Turns out there's a couple of these songs that I listen to all the time. So <laughs> yeah, it's a win. Oh, yeah. That was just pure delight. It felt really fresh, which is not easy when you're following the rom-com arcs mm-hmm. uh, to make it still fresh and vibrant and fun but they really succeed in that one yeah it's it's a good one mm-hmm. uh i don't really want to single out any others although i i'm looking at the list here and i'm seeing oh adam driver had a really good year yeah good time for him sure he was in a star wars movie <laughs> we'll get to that eventually mm-hmm. but you know he was in marriage story he was in the report mm-hmm. which was kind of dry for me but also a very relatable character to me, I've worked in, let's call it government, but I, I've, worked, I've been that guy. I've yeah. been that, that pain in the ass whose ethics go beyond what the office requires you to do. Mm-hmm. Very relatable to me. And he was in another uh, movie that went to the big screen, The Dead Don't Die. Mentioning it here because we did not catch it on the silver screen, but we saw it later at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a Jim Jarmish zombie movie, kind of a follow-up to uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, which mm-hmm. was a vampire movie. Not well liked, No, but I quite liked it. I did too. I really don't understand. I, okay, no, I shouldn't say that. I do understand why people don't like that. <laughs> I do get it, but it really tickled me. <laughs> the comedy is hilarious. The characters are so deadpan, and it's just so, like, direct and funny to me yeah it's it's a bit on the nose yeah the way the, the zombies I, are played yeah, for sure but it's also kind of, it was kind of like heartwarming like i feel yeah, like yeah then know? they sort of like they break the fourth wall at one point or the song the, the title <laughs> yes. song of the film keeps playing on the radio diegetically mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of funny bits and strange things going on it's really it's about trump's america yeah uh, we're not for sure you know, but... we're not gonna <laughs> But, um, yeah, so that, that was a fun one from Jim Jarmish. Like a fun it's little fun. film. He's yeah. working a lot. <laughs> Even, like, in the next year, I think, he has, like, a lot coming out. Good for him. All right, well, that's the preliminaries. Let's get into the films that we saw at the theater. The in, theater. In the theater. <laughs> so this is going to be in a chronological order of seeing them, more or less. But if we skipped over something... It's because it's in our top ten. Don't <laughs> yeah. no panic. We we're didn't see keep, it. There are fourteen movies here that are that wound <laughs> up in one or another top ten. So uh, that's why we're skipping them. The year really started 2019 with Glass, mm. the follow-up to Split, but also to Unbreakable. What did we think of Glass? I felt like fine. <laughs> like it was okay. It did not blow me away, but I was also not disappointed. Like I felt like I. It's one of those movies that when you're watching, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a fun experience. And then afterwards, you're like, eh. I sort of forgot about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's not going to stay with me or whatever. But did I enjoy my experience? Yes. Yeah, it's an odd one because when Unbreakable came out, there wasn't like a cottage industry of superhero movies. Mm-hmm. So now, years later, there is. Yeah. So this looks like a different take on the superhero genre. We've seen so many of these narratives. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel necessarily as fresh as it normally might. And compared to the first one when it came out. Exactly. So yeah. I think it's... Yeah, a lot of people criticized it. I don't think it was as bad as no, I some agree. people think. I think people were harsher on it than it really deserved. It's probably in my bottom 10. I probably wouldn't watch it again. Mm. But I'm happy I saw it. Uh, the Kid Who Would Be King... 
Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I feel conflicted about this. because really? of No, it's just because of her, we have a Welsh friend. <laughs> and I know that it, this is a touchy subject because I actually enjoyed this movie yeah. a lot. When and they, I feel like they, a bad person yeah, We have a friend who corrupts. <laughs> when, no, we have a friend who, when he sees Arthurian legend corrupted, mm -hmm. so has to take away the Welsh element because it, actually it should be taking place in Wales. It yes. should be a Welsh story. Uh, he's uh, makes him upset. Yes, so I do feel a little guilty about how much I actually really like this movie. I really did. I found it very charming and surprising. Mm. I remember being like, whoa, that's where they went with this, with that movie. A lot more than I expected. Because you, going into it, you have a pretty clear idea of what this is kind of going to be like. But it surprised me a lot more than I yeah. thought. To me, it felt like it's by the director of uh, Attack the Block. Yes, so. and I think that makes sense, like a cast of kids from yeah. the UK. And, you know, I, I think showcasing, like, the challenges of youth, I think that's something that they did really yeah, well with Yeah, it's this. about owning your own leadership as, mm -hmm. a, as, a, as a kid growing up. And it felt to me like a really cool episode of, like, Sarah Jane Adventures or something. Yes. <laughs> it had that vibe. <laughs> so, so it's... Kid-friendly, but I think it also works for adults. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's uh, Lego Movie 2. Ah, uh, yeah. The second movie. <laughs> Whatever it's called. The second part. I think I've determined that I just like these movies. It's been a little while, but I think I still preferred the first one. Yeah, I think the first one is the more solid I think like it's effort, the you know. yes, stronger film, but I just like this universe so much. Like, and then they've got like crashed universes together because mm -hmm. at the end of the first one, it's, it's sort of about learning the, the importance of playing and all that. Mm -hmm. But we're told at the end there's a sister, and in this one it's about sharing. Yeah. And they have the same play area, and so there are alien toys that have come in to the universe. <laughs> yeah, girly they're taking toys. over. And I think even like time wise, this makes sense because like from the first one to the sequel, but the sister is older. So she wants to play more with her brother. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that makes sense, like, in this yeah. universe. To me, it, it went back to the uh, human elements, the live action elements, too often. Yeah. It broke out of the... But, I mean, it makes sense. By the end, you're okay with it. And mm -hmm. those velociraptors are really funny. <laughs> Alita Battle Angel. Ah, yes. This is another that I feel like most people didn't like, but I had no problems with <laughs> I thought that was fun and strange and creative and interesting to look at, if nothing else. I just like a weird universe, <laughs> to be honest. I yeah. love the weird universe where everyone is kind of like part robot. Like, that's cool to me. And we had like the first real, well, maybe not the first, but I mean, there's the, the, the star of this. Although there is an actress under there, uh, Salazar is under there, but it's a CG creation mm -hmm. who looks human but like with big anime eyes and if you told me oh it's just the actress with big anime eyes you know like in big eyes yeah. just like that cg element i would have believed you because it's, she's so lifelike mm -hmm. so uh I, I think it's a technical marvel yes. at least i was okay with the story it was like you know, sure. it's like rollerball anime hybrid it definitely is a part one to something it's yeah. not a full full story it's a full yes. story but it's not you know it's like the big bad isn't defeated at the end uh, and I'm hoping either it did well enough or... I think they said that it did. Okay. Or but else Robert Rodriguez can do things on a, on a much smaller budget than other people. Yes. So he would continue I, it no matter what. I really hope they do end up doing a sequel because I want to see it. Speaking of sequels, the next movie we saw was Happy Death Day to You. Oh, yeah. Okay. Once again, this one, I don't think I liked as much as the first one. Right. But 
it emotionally affected me much more. It was actually <laughs> it packs one. an emotional punch. It was really emotional to yeah. to experience. The character's called Tree. I blame the parents. <laughs> and, and and Tree in the first the first one is a slasher. It's Groundhog Day. And great comedy bits. Yeah. It's fun. a it's a fun Groundhog Day mm-hmm. slash slasher. <laughs> yeah. slash, slasher movie. <laughs> and in the second one, it's more of a riff on time travel because she, we thought her storyline was over. It's not, mm-hmm. and she she goes back to that day, and she's got more stuff to fix. And and now they're it's less of a slasher. It's less about that that creepy doll faced character, which I think is a good idea. Because they you're have going to change to, it up. Yeah, if you're gonna do this movie again, like you have to have something creative and yeah. new to it. I think they did that, and I thought it was fun. And if you like the slasher element. Maybe you won't be so happy. Yeah, Maybe but it's just... still there. And I just, I love that main character so much that I just feel like I want to see her and stuff. Well, like, if they did a third they one. They sort of tease. Uh, like, I'd be okay with know? them doing a third one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know hope what... it'd be good. I but, hope it is. Yeah, Fighting with My Family. That's another female-driven movie. Mm-hmm. It's the story of Paige, or more or less the biopic of Paige and her family, Paige, the, the diva. The wrestling star, played by uh, my girl Florence Pugh. Yeah, having a great year. (laughs) She's in three movies on this list. Spoiler, like two of them are in the top ten. So So this is the lesser film, but and I know nothing about wrestling. No, neither do I. And uh, I thought it was great fun. The family was funny. Nick Frost doing the dad. But I think Florence is really the 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 actress is is putting a lot into it. I think she's more likable than probably the real pages. (laughs) Yes, probably so. (laughs) What I think struck me is just like how universal it felt because I I was a bit worried going into it because I know absolutely nothing about wrestling that I would kind of feel disconnected to it. But I felt like they really managed to make it super universal. Like what she's dealing with is something that people deal with. Like, you know, feeling insecure, feeling not sure how to fit in. Like that's all really universal themes. So it was able to catch me and it wasn't overbearing with like wrestling knowledge either. No. Like I felt like I'm sure there's plenty of cameos. I'm oh, sure. absolutely! Uh, I yeah. had no idea who these people were. I'm sure I recognized the, the Rock. <laughs> yeah, The Rock was in it. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the it was just like really fun, a fun family feeling film. Here's the one that got. That was the worst on my list. The worst film we saw this year mm-hmm. that I saw this year. We we haven't seen Cats. Yeah. <laughs> no, not so, yet. So it's not cats. It's Greta. Oh, yeah. It's a thriller about uh, don't, don't trust old people. <laughs> I was really, like, okay, going into it, I think this is like one of those periods. There's some periods of the year where we go see movies that we probably wouldn't go see normally if there was a bunch of other things out. Mm-hmm. This is one of those periods where there are probably not that many movies out. That's my guess. That's the only thing we had. I yeah. think we would have just skipped it otherwise because, like, the reviews were not great. But we were like, you know what? Sometimes the reviews for horror films are bad even if the movie is good. That does happen for sure. But then we watched it. I'm like, eh. Yeah, whatever. It felt too predictable. It felt too formulaic. The actors I enjoyed, but the story was lacking. What about Captain Marvel? Uh, Captain Marvel, I really liked it. I love to see like a powerful woman on screen. Like That's really exciting to me. So automatically I go into it being like, hell yeah, I'm really excited. But I think what was fun about this, and it's the case for a couple of the Marvel movies, but because it's situated in another time, that kind of adds like a a different layer to it, which I enjoy and makes it feel more fresh to me. That it was in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was 
fun because it's like getting to explore like another section, if you will. Because after a while, it's like, okay, we're in the same time, we're the same characters all the time. It's like, it's still entertaining, but I'm not as gripped by it. Setting this in the 90s, having all these characters together, great. Yeah, it was definitely some nice moments of empowerment. None of the Marvel movies are bad. No, yeah. Even the lesser safe. ones are still quite watchable. So this was a middle range for me. Yes, agreed. Uh, and uh, I just want to go to bat for Brie Larson. She got a lot of flack. Not she gets a lot of flack in general. Not just from the gators <laughs> and haters, but from people who thought she was underacting it. You know, that um, she was not a good actress yeah. because there's, there's nothing there for them. And I, in my review at the time, I said the opposite. Because what I said the same thing, but the the opposite way. <laughs> yeah. To me, she's so subtle. You know, a lot of these movies are bombastic, and mm-hmm. you've got to be like a archetypal character, and some some of the things are big, and we accept them as big. But if they were in another movie, we it might would be ridiculous. we might think that's a bit broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's playing it without dialogue sometimes, just like a look at a look in the eye, and just the confidence. Mm-hmm. that she had. She was underplaying it, but she was underplaying it in a way that yeah. I thought that was interesting. Calculated. And I thought as well, when we got to more emotional moments or more like high impact moments, when she was a, she was doing that, those moments were more impactful because of that. Yeah. So like to me, the, my favorite scene is the one where she steals the bike. Because mm-hmm. it's just done with Looks. Just like, come on, dude. And, and, and yeah, and the dude is being like this chauvinistic, yeah, absolutely, uh, flirting kind of dude, and just you know he ends up losing his bike. But and that, like as a woman, like watching mm-hmm. that, it's like, oh man, because that feels like exactly what you wish you would do in that situation. Because like in most cases, like if you're in a situation like that, you will kind of like either politely laugh or kind of walk away as best you can because it's just not safe (laughs) you Mm -hmm. don't know if it's safe but unless you got superpowers yeah but you know what (laughs) if you're captain marvel hell yeah steal that dude's bike hell yeah (laughs) that's great next up is cold pursuit ah yeah 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 um so this is a this was is a remake by the same director, but a remake of a Norwegian mm-hmm. film called In Order of Disappearance, which I still not watched because they took it off the Netflix soon after I saw this, and so I I, I haven't gotten around to, to finding it again. But it is a um, a Liam Neeson movie mm-hmm. where it's snowbound. He drives a plow, yeah, and also takes revenge on <laughs> on a bunch of crooks uh, until there are no more, you know. Uh, so it's basically it's a it's very much a Liam Neeson movie. I thought it was much better than the normal. Yeah. Taken. I remember going into it and being like, oh, "It'll probably be okay," and leaving and being like, "Wow, <laughs> that was delightful." And I remember it being funnier than yeah. I thought it was going to be. There's a good use of um, Native Americans mm-hmm. as a sort of subculture in there. You know, there's like a reservation close by yeah. in that community, and they use that to good effect. And a completely cracked out villain as well. Yeah, the villain is so over the top. But like granola. He's he's he's, he's a hipster. He's like an evil hipster. (laughs) Yeah, he's a Bond villain, but he's like vegan. (laughs) It's so weird. And it was so funny all the time. It was just way more out there than I expected it to be. Yeah, this one was very high on my list, actually. Yeah, it uh, was a fun one. Yeah, uh, definitely something to discover. Uh, And and probably the original one is as good, but it has got to be different. There's no Native Native Americans in in Norway, so I'm super interested. Yeah. So next up is the other Captain Marvel, Shazam! I liked it a lot. <laughs> I feel like that's all I'm saying, but it was a pretty good year for movies, but... I think it was like, a, to that point, I'll say it was a mid-range year where things were very pleasant 
but yeah, not okay. necessarily amazing. Yes. The, you know? the amazing were scattered. Not a lot of bad ones. A lot of charming, fun yes, ones. Yes, and I think this one is definitely yeah. in that charming category. Zachary Levi, I love. I love him in everything. I mean, I haven't seen everything he's in, obviously, but I just find him instantly charming. And I think he did it really well, because I think this is like a hard character to be. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very... It's like a weird... There's a weird line there when you're like, you are a grown man, but you kind of have to be like 13. Like, that's not easy to pull off, and I really think he did. Like, it felt like he was that kid. I know Captain Marvel. I, Shazam, whatever. I, I know it. I know the story. So, like, the first half of the movie, the origin, even though there are permutations and stuff that DC's doing now that I, I wasn't really tapped into... It's like, okay, I know all this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that material was in the trailer as well. Yeah. And they pushed the trailer a lot. Uh, but then the second half of the movie is full of surprises. Yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff going on there. So at the end of the day, you know, I liked it. It, it went beyond the the things that I knew were going to be in there no matter what. Pet Cemetery. That sounds like a week there was nothing on. <laughs> no, but it's one of three... Uh, Stephen King movies that came out this year. Yeah, big year for Stephen King. Yep. Uh, and it's a remake of... Pet Cemetery. Pet, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. So I've never seen the original Pet I Cemetery. Have. So go ahead. Well, what did you think of the new one? It had some good new takes, but generally didn't wow me. Like, I felt like it was a little bit flat. It wasn't bad. I did not enjoy it. But I didn't like it either. I kind of left feeling it looked great. You know, it looked fine. Uh, the acting was pretty good for the most part. But I just, eh. <laughs> yeah, it, it fell into my bottom five. So I think it was just like an ordinary Yeah. Thrill. No real thrills. I'm, I'm, it's one of those where I'm happy I saw it, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. Hellboy. That, this is one that I haven't seen, but that you did, did go to see. Yeah, I have a uh, boyfriend who really loves Hellboy, so <laughs> we kind of had to go see this, but I think he was disappointed as well. This kind of bummed me out, because I could see the roots of a good film in it, but that's not what we had. <laughs> he was a good Hellboy. He succeeded in that. I, th okay. I believe that. Like, I think he could be a Hellboy. The story was a little convoluted. Like, they combined a bunch of... Hellboy stories together to make this, if I'm right. That really shows. It feels uneven and it feels rushed at times. I was sad. Like, I, I really would have liked it to be good. <laughs> but it just wasn't. Oh, well. Long shot. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, Charlie Theron. <laughs> Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen. And uh, he's me, except for being a pothead. <laughs> and uh, especially, particularly lucky in, in love. Uh <laughs> But uh, but he's me. He, when I when I was talking about yes. the report earlier, when I was and watching this movie, oh. I felt like, oh, this is Mike. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, is, this movie is, is me. about Mike. This is how my uh, ethics and my moral sense flares up in a work situation, which is why I should not work. Uh, and, <laughs> and I think it's particularly pertinent right now to talk about those things because he works in media and because the censorship of media and the way the news is portrayed to us now which is more like what will be clickable, mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. And I think they were able to kind of touch yeah. on that. It really wears its politics on its sleeve. Yes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a rom-com between this activist journalist and uh, the secretary of state or whatever secretary she is. It's been a while. <laughs> but in a <laughs> government, you know, a high-profile government person. And there's also that, that uh, delightful Trudeau 
parody in there. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part about that, like, as a Canadian, it's always kind of funny to see how Canadians are portrayed in, in American films. <laughs> but I just love that he was completely bilingual the whole time. Like, he would just switch between the two and that... Like he would in a speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. just in his regular life, he's, like, <laughs> switching between the two, which, of course, would not happen, but... No, but you too. Made me laugh. <laughs> Uh, next up, this is another one I missed. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah. That movie was, like, exactly what it needed to be. That's kind of how I feel about it. I was not going into that expecting a cinematic masterpiece. No, that's not what I expected. That's no. not what I got. But I got a fun adventure with some cool-looking Pokemon. And, like, it was a nice father-son story, which... It was still, like, touching to me. And, mm. like, Ryan Reynolds... I'm not sure it feels like it's Pikachu. It kind of feels like Ryan Reynolds. But that's okay. I, I just thought it was really cool to be able to see those Pokemon, like, on a big screen. And, like, the way that they were adapted to that medium was very cool. Uh, John Wick 3, Parabellum. The third chapter, which I thought would be the final chapter, but uh, it's more of a, like, the... Oh, yeah, there's another chapter coming, and I'm <laughs> this year, excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what did you think? Do you like this one? I love all of the John Wick movies. Okay. None of them have disappointed me. I think probably the first one is still the best one, but I honestly don't care. They could keep making these, and if they're still this good, I'm going to keep watching well, them. I kind of wished it would end. Um... <laughs> but I, I feel like I know what the last one is going to be about, and I know that's going to be fun. This third one felt like the the padding in the whole series because there was a huge leap between the first and the second in yes. world building. I mean, this one is sort of keeping the the seats warm. Uh, and there's towards some, the fourth act. Yeah, obviously yeah. great action scenes. Yes. Obviously, Keanu Reeves Consistent. can do no wrong at this point. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff, and it's all you know, it's all inspired by. The Hong Kong action yeah. way of doing things, which I'm a big fan of. And you of. can tell, like, Keanu Reeves respects that a lot. The, the story is that it's in The Matrix. The Matrix, mm -hmm. he got all the training and uh, really became friends with his stunt double. And, you know, that's sort of in his later phase of work from Man of Tai Chi on. Keanu is sort of looking for, like, building these sort of mm -hmm. projects, producing these sorts of projects. Uh, to bring that Hong Kong style to American film. And, and he's, it's rarely and, well done. And, and it's you know. really well done and it's successful. These movies like really make great at the box office, which is really fun. So, but this one was the disappointing chapter for it, me if it in the context of the genre. I agree. Mm. But I'm looking forward to the fourth one still. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, you saw Aladdin. Oh, yes, I did see Aladdin. I, I did not. <laughs> uh, Aladdin was fine. It's one of those where, like, um, like the original Aladdin, the Disney Aladdin is... This is also the Disney Aladdin, but I you know, mean the, the like, animated Aladdin. It's confusing. No. <laughs> um, is my favorite Disney movie. Oh. <laughs> so okay. I was pretty nervous going into it that it was going to, like, really suck. I don't think it sucked. I don't think it blew me away. I don't know that it brought... One of the things with these Disney remakes that I find is a little frustrating is I'm not sure that they necessarily bring new things. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it brought new things that much. They definitely fleshed out Jasmine a bit more, but I'm not sure. It felt a little forced. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I'm the Godzilla fan of yes. the group. I went to see it alone and then recommended it. Uh, although I cannot recommend the human story. 
from the human story was... <laughs> the human stories in those movies are usually not yeah, They're usually favorite. not great. I've seen some good ones yeah. over the years. Generally speaking, it's but, not the highlight. But this one, it's but... like, there's a lot of... It's clunky, MacGuffin, running after action tropes. Uh, but the monster action is amazing. And yes. this is why I recommend it for kaiju fans. Mm -hmm. It's just... A, a real Godzilla movie is insane. Like a Toho <laughs> yeah, monster movie has to be cracked out of its mind. Uh, and this is definitely that. There's a lot of monsters. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And when there's humans going, you know, the humans are in a sort of a predictable plot, but the monsters are not, which is why I recommend it. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and I really hope it didn't, like, kill the vibe. <laughs> there, there, there's a next one yeah. coming out next year. So I really, I hope that one's really good. That would make me happy. Uh, Rocket Man. Oh, yeah. Rocket Man is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, okay, actually. Okay. As a biopic. Yeah, okay. because one of the things I really liked, well, beyond the fact that I love musicals, so as soon as like this became more of a musical, I'm obviously more into it, but I felt like it was a great spin on the biopic formula. Yeah, especially the music biopic, which is, tends to be... Yes, it's just the, like, the... oh, you're nobody, you're uh -huh. discovered, you're coked out, and then you, <laughs> you crash, crash, and, and then, then you rise uh... again. Yeah, it's basically that for everyone. And it's not untrue here. Uh, I mean, it's real life. <laughs> but the magical realism in this movie, the, the music and the way the songs are used to portray how he... Like his life and what he was going through, and just visually, it was like stunning. It's one of three jukebox musicals uh, that we get this year. Yeah, I liked it too. I, it was pretty high on the list. Late night. Oh yeah, late night. Some of these, it's like, oh right, we did see that. Uh, I liked late night as like um, character study. Okay. Because <laughs> the the actual plot of it is pretty straightforward, but still not something you see that often. Woman in the Workplace, comedy. Yeah. So some people took Mindy Kaling to task for it not being hard-hitting enough. You know, she, she's a woman of color in a predominantly white workplace. It's all boys except for the host of the late night show that she's going to be writing for, the late night host, Zema Thompson. So people are, are like, well, you know, eventually Mindy sort of charms people and it's, it's it, you know, it's not a hard-hitting sexual freedom kind of movie. No, that's true. But... I think I like it because it's like that. I, yeah. I like that it's more subtle about it. I might jettison the la the epilogue where it's a bit floral as far as uh, happy endings go. Mm -hmm. So so it's not supposed to be. I mean, it's a comedy. It's not supposed to be realistic necessarily. No. But and there I, is there is there's way... ageism. There's there's racism. There's sexism. All in that workplace. Like the the, the comedy's not mean spirited about these things. It just shows it, and then Mindy's character has to deal with it. And I think it's actually kind of, in a way, like, more realistic. Because I think, like, the other characters aren't necessarily aware of what they're doing. Because I think a lot of people do that. They, like, put people in awkward situations or they, like, disadvantage people without actually knowing that's what they're doing. I mean, mm -hmm. some people do know what they're doing. Yeah, but it's sort of blind p privilege. But, yeah, I think, and, the, like, the other men at that table gave that vibe a lot. Where it's like, they, it wasn't even a thought in their minds. And I think that's very true to life. <laughs> yeah, it's a charming little piece. Toy Story 4. That was, was on my short, short list. list. Oh, yeah? Yes, I considered it heavily. I just love this universe. I don't think it's the best Toy Story, but it really got me. I was crying. <laughs> I was crying so much at this mm. movie. Well, that Forky character... 
Yeah. It's just very funny. Yeah. The homemade and, toy. And I love that idea. That you, you could just create a toy? <laughs> yes. And I think what's interesting about that is uh, how kids are like that. Kids will create their own fun. They will create their own toys. They'll create their own games. It's all imaginative play. And I think that that was a great way to kind of nod to that because obviously we're following like just store-bought toys Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whole other time so this is kind of a way of being like seeing how a kid's imagination can grow into something that they love even if it's just like a fork (laughs) although the real story is about woody Woody giving yeah yeah accepting basically that he's no longer the favorite toy. that's the only thing that i find a bit of a bummer because I feel like that's basically Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of also Toy Story 2. <laughs> um, a lot of the time it's kind of... Though it's Woody's story. Yeah. It's, it's also um, Toy Story 1. Yeah. It's, he's basically <laughs> always dealing with the same thing. He's an old-fashioned toy in a new toy universe. Yeah. And it's like he's struggling to, to find his place. And for some reason, though, it's, it gets me every time. <laughs> like, even if it's basically the same idea... And also, I have to give a nod to Keanu Reeves in this one as well, because delightful. <laughs> That's right. Uh, as the Canadian stuntman toy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, what's next? Uh, this is another, I guess, a jukebox musical type. Yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. So something happens, a cosmic event, and suddenly little things are different or missing from the timeline, including... The Beatles. The Beatles as a whole. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite things about this movie is the other things that are gone. <laughs> like, that's a running gag through this mm-hmm. movie, and it's just so funny every time. He's just trying to find out, like, is that just the people I'm talking to, or does no one remember this? I liked Yesterday. I felt a little bit like Slot Ones probably wouldn't watch it again mm-hmm. about it. I've- well, I've, I've sort of seen it before. Not th- that premise, but Richard Curtis wrote this, uh, and it's got a lot of lo- Love Actually in it, a lot of Notting Hill in it, like a yes. lot of... Um, so there are elements from his other films mm-hmm. that make up this universe. You know, aside from the central premise, there's a lot of plot elements from, you know, that are his tropes. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the most mind-blowing no. new story. But I feel like if you like the Beatles... Mm. Uh, if you like the music and seeing how his takes are, that was something I found interesting. Like seeing like how he was going to sing it, because <laughs> like if you if you're performing like Beatles songs for the first time, like how is that going to sound if it's not them? So that was an interesting layer to me. Is just like seeing how they would do it. Also, Ed Sheeran is really funny in this. <laughs> yes, as himself. And um, he's like yeah. he's like a sad sack the whole movie, but it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, he's good in this. As, you know, as he, he's just himself basically. But he's but, laughing at himself. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also got something to say about imposter syndrome. I think. Yes, definitely. Yeah, uh, Spider Man: Far From Home. So mm-hmm. here's another superhero movie, pleasant one. Yeah. I just wonder how it plays for people who didn't really know what Mysterio was all about. Because so much of well, this hinges on Mysterio being mysterious. I can tell you that I did not, so... Okay. Um, I mean, okay, based on the trailers... Like, was it surprising? I mean... No. Okay. <laughs> because based on the trailers... Oh. Am I allowed to say spoilers here? <laughs> I think that's probably safe at this point. At this point, I think people know. Like, it was clear to me that he was actually the villain. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Like, going into it, I'm like, okay, clearly 
Jigsaw Hall, the villain in this. Like that was pretty obvious. I, I but did I know everything behind like you know, the fact that they were all related to Tony. Like, no, absolutely not. Mm. I had no idea about that. That was completely surprising to me. It makes sense <laughs> to me. I think that makes sense in that universe. Yeah, but... the Spider-Man movies have been really good at crafting villains. Yes. Uh, so these, the, the two. I, I don't mean like every star, uh, no, Spider-Man movie. I was going to say because they've had troubles with that in the past. Yeah. Where they just kind of pluck someone in and it doesn't feel right. Yeah, this but the vulture, sense. the vulture and Mysterio, yeah. who were not necessarily A-list, they're classic villains, but you know nobody thinks of them as the A-listers of the Spider-Man. And you know, I think that was gallery. the right move to to go with, considering how many Spider-Man movies exist. Yeah, no, you don't want to do well, like Green Goblin seen again. Green Goblin, yeah, you can't do Green Goblin again. Like maybe they will eventually, but like I, I thought that was like a good breath of fresh air mm-hmm. to go in a different direction. And this had uh, international. Uh, locations yeah, which, it's not just new york which i never know if i'm gonna like like the the sequel that we go on vacation <laughs> it's not always good national lampoons uh, vacation 2 exactly an example uh, so no. i was a bit nervous that it was going to be a little bit hokey but oh. it is a movie for our time because it's spider-man versus fake news mm-hmm. uh, and uh, there was a scare that there wouldn't be a third one but i know and like spider-man is one of my favorite characters. So I, w- I was really upset. <laughs> Spider-Man is one of my favorite characters. So, <laughs> like, after all this happened, and I was already having an emotional time, because Iron Man is also one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. So I was like, come on! <laughs> you needed uh, this. Yeah, I'm like, please don't take them away from me. So I'm really pleased that they got him back. Even though, like, obviously that's what was going to happen. Mm, I think so. I, I think I understood what negotiations <laughs> yes. were. Yes. Yeah. Um, the next movie over is Crawl, which I'm the only one that saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, a girl and her dad fighting a, an alligator during a hurricane. <laughs> Ah. Uh, so the alligators are just just not not just one, but uh, several alligators. The alligators are you know, sometimes like goofy CG a little bit, but the hurricane is looks great. It's mm. like some some of these effects are awesome. It's based on the true. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> something like that happened. It's very loosely based okay, on yeah. something that happened. Uh, but I thought it was like a, a good creature feature, definitely like a B movie, mm-hmm. but sort of a darling. This summer, a lot of people, uh, you know, wanted to wanted to see it, saw it because it's even though it's just like this silly monster movie, and you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, so Quentin Tarantino did not make our, you know, like, Tarantino is gonna is he gonna rise to the top ten? He did not in our cases. No, although I know he did for a lot of people. I liked it a lot. It's just um, it wasn't as unique as I would have liked it to be. Obviously, it's based sort of on a true story of the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. I think what I kind of felt about it is it just didn't excite me enough to like make my favorite list. A bit like the Hateful Eight to me, it, it like seems mm-hmm. to drag in places. Yes. It's- it's There's kinda... definitely scenes where I'm like, oh, this could have been cut. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of scenes that taken as themselves, just as that scene, I think is very funny or very interesting mm-hmm. or well shot. And or... I thought, like, Margot Robbie in particular mm-hmm. was like, you wanted to watch her when she was on screen. Always do. Yes. Uh, so there's a lot of good parts, but then as a whole... I think maybe it's one that will play better on your TV later when you're more leisurely. Uh, but in the cinema, I sometimes felt impatient with it. Hobbs and Shaw. So this is the, from the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise. Uh, sub-franchise now. They're expanding. Yeah. 
Uh, well, they've got to because I think there's like only two Fast and Furiouses left or something. As of yet. <laughs> we'll see. Apparently, it ends. It's going to end with number 10 or something. And then we're going to get a remake of the first one. <laughs> well, uh, give it time. But uh, Hobbs and Shaw was, um, I think, even though they showed quite a lot of it in the trailer, yeah. to me, it's like balls to the wall. Crazy action. It's superheroes with vehicles, mm -hmm. just like the Fast and Furious franchise. And I like these two together. Yes. Uh, and also with um, uh, Vanessa Kirby in there as the the third action star. And it is a superhero movie because Idris Elba essentially plays yeah. Black Captain America, is Absolutely. what they call it. Yeah, so yeah. they're, you know, it's a supervillain mm -hmm. is the thing. So did you like this one as much as I did? I loved it. It okay. was just so fun to me. And <laughs> and Jason Statham is like one of my favorites. Like, okay. if he's in it, I probably want to see it. That doesn't mean I always do, because sometimes they're, they're bad. But I just love seeing him on screen. I'm, I don't know why, but he's just really captivating. And he's got me. a gift for comedy. Yeah! We, we saw it in, like, something as extreme as Spy. Mm -hmm. But uh, even in this, it's, you've got to have the banter, you got to have the double act yeah. uh, between the two he's guys that hate each other. He's much more funny than you would think. Because, like, his background, like, he was a swimmer. Like, he was, like, an <laughs> Olympic swimmer. Like, what the hell? This dude is so funny and charming and, and I just I like their team up together because I think they have like very different like vibes mm -hmm. so putting them together is fun and there's a mastermind villain uh, revealed at the end not revealed actually teased at the end so <laughs> there's going to be another Hobbs and Shaw good scary stories we tell in the dark ah yeah adapted from a book of Short stories, really. Uh, and the short stories come alive. So they've got like a frame tale where you're following the same kids. And if you read from the book, the story of your death or the, of the, yeah. a monster coming to get you. That's the film. <laughs> <laughs> This to me felt like, like if I would have been 12 or 13, I would have been like, wow. You know what I mean? Like it was exactly the type of kid scary that I love and I still love now. I love kids scary things. And this is borderline because some of it's really scary. Mm -hmm. But the vibe of children's scary media <laughs> is something I enjoy a lot because there's always a sense of safe in these types of things to me. And I love that. I love that you feel still safe. Like, even if it's scary, you're like, no, they're going to manage this. You know, they're going to figure it out. They're going to fix it. And I, I, I really love that vibe. We should, I find horror films don't necessarily have that vibe, that there's no sense of hope. Mm. But I feel like there was like a sense of hope in this. Beyond the fact that just, like, the costume design and the settings were fantastic. I wanted to wear almost every outfit in this movie. <laughs> Wait, does it take place in the 70s or something? It's 60s, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Maybe, uh, maybe early 70s. I'm not sure. But, yeah, I think I thought it was a strong PG horror film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blinded by the Light. This is our third jukebox musical. It's the one based on Bruce Springsteen's music. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, a coming of age that felt... I mean, I'm not a fan of Bruce Springsteen particularly. No, neither am I. Uh, I think it's fine. But. Yeah. Uh, but the the kid in this uh, becomes obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And it's real. I think that's what I found the most yeah. relatable mm -hmm. is that as a, a, an adolescent, getting into something. Yes. Whether for, for <laughs> me, uh, whether it was improv or uh, comic books or, you know, role playing or I've had I have many obsessions, but <laughs> <laughs> but then you're so into it that you're talking about it all the time. Yeah. That you're filtering your life through that thing mm -hmm. uh, that that nerdiness of it yeah. felt completely true to life <laughs> yeah, i completely agree it felt so relatable to watch because it's like oh man we've all been there where it's the thing that you love that's all you want is that thing 
like everyone else is being annoying to you because they they're not focusing how great and you're annoying this thing. to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and teenagers particularly, they're are, so like focused yeah. on themselves because like that's where you're in your development. You're kind of figuring out who you are, which is a big part. Like this finding this musician, like finding Springsteen for him. Was a way of him being like, wow, what I'm feeling, other people feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And a good use of music, even though I wouldn't call it a musical, there no, is one but... musical number for yes. sure. At least one. <laughs> at least one. It's chapter two, back to Stephen King and oh, back yeah. to horror. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, is it horror? It's a horror comedy. Yeah, I felt it was like a big comedy. <laughs> to me, it was entertaining because it was a comedy. Yeah, it's a lot funnier than the first one. It's not as good as the first one. No. I thought the kids were had a more yeah. interesting story. Mm-hmm. But as adults, Bill Hader is very funny. He's not yes. the only one. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of funny business in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it works as a comedy, if not as strictly as a horror. Well, it's also the horror film where, in Stephen King fashion, you get to defeat the monster. Mm-hmm. And so it's about trauma and the things... You know, basically it relates back to the original. Is what I like. Mm-hmm. I, I like, as an example, um, uh, The Haunting of Hill House. The show. Yeah, for people who have watched the show. I like when you see how life has affected a person over time. Basically, that's what that show is in entirety. And I think this movie does that well. It's like, oh yes, that guy that's always like making jokes and stuff and being sassy of course yes he became a stand-up comedian like yeah i can see that art i can see how that kid became that and i can see how like an, the other kid became really scared and like isolated himself i can you know like i can see how their arcs and how they changed over time mm-hmm. but ultimately they're all still that scared little kid which i think is something that's kind of universal everyone sometimes feel like a scared little kid and the thing that you're traumatized about that sticks with yeah, you, and that's what the movie's really it's about. Battling the, the trauma of your childhood, basically. <laughs> right. We're getting into the fall now. I think there's like movies mm-hmm. we saw in autumn, uh, Hustlers, which is I think practically like my number eleven or something. You know, yes, it's, it's, it the, also, it's on the short list. It was also on my short surprisingly. list. Surprisingly. Yeah, I was so pleased. Like before that movie came out, I was like, please be good. I want this movie to be good. And it was. <laughs> I, I think, like, the universe, like, that it's in was, like, fascinating to watch. The, the poll is really, really good, actually. Like, really good job, Jennifer Lopez. Because she actually, like, learned to poll for this. Mm-hmm. And she was great. <laughs> I mean, obviously, she's, like, really fit as a human, so I'm sure it was okay. That and I mean, it's a crime picture. We learned a lot about that world of of uh, exotic dancing, mm-hmm. but it's also a crime movie, and Which... it's got something to say. You know, you like these characters, mm-hmm. and you want to uh, be with them more. Yes. So it's a very strong film. I really, I, I was very pleased to see how good I thought it was. And I just think, yeah, I think, like, the vibe of it, and, like, the female friendships, and how those friendships, basically, they became family... And you want them to succeed even though what they're, they're doing is not really okay. Like, yeah. I, I wanted them to get away with it. Oh, of course. <laughs> and some did. <laughs> so uh, another one on my short list, more or less, was Ad Astra. Yeah, same. I considered it. Does it say, it's a Brad Pitt in space. <laughs> Brad Pitt in space. He's very depressed. 
And he's trying to find, ultimately, find his father who's on an abandoned mission way out in the boonies. So it's 2001 style mm-hmm. uh, outer space action or like realistic outer space action more or yeah. less. But there is action. It yeah. is also an, a space adventure movie, mm-hmm. but it's really a journey that is supposed to be, I think, a therapy session. Yes. So. I mean, and you can even say, <laughs> see that's what they're doing. Like he has to like check in on his mental health. And say, like, I'm doing great. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, it leads to some dreaded narration. Yes, which I could have done without. I think a lot of the narration was just there to make sure that knew what was happening. Because I feel <laughs> yeah. like a lot of the nonverbal said so much. I don't really think they needed it. But I also remember thinking, like, there were shots in that movie that I had never seen before. Mm. Most space movies kind of look similar. But I remember being like, wow, I've never seen this. I like, you know, space race movies. We talked about that last year with First Man. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is, and and I like it when they show the future of space travel and that it it is well thought out what it would actually be like. Not starships and light speed. Yeah, it's like the moon people are going to visit. You know, rich people can afford to just go and hang out on the moon and go in a hotel. Like, yeah, that's absolutely what would happen. Like, eventually, I suspect that will happen. They'll just build a hotel on the moon. I'm sure that's in our future. A very smart movie about depression and isolation. Mm -hmm. Because that's what space is. It's an absence of something. And also, like, there's no other distractions. Mm. Because I think, like, when he's on Earth, he can kind of distract himself from what is actually bothering him. You're alone with yourself. Yeah. You have no choice. You have to deal with what you're dealing with. You were the only one that saw this. Judy. Judy, uh, I enjoyed a lot. Uh, We obviously, we followed Judy Garland's life. I liked the chronology of it. And I liked, once again, I like this used in film. I like seeing how the kid version of her impacted the adult version of her. And we get to see that in this. We see like the early trauma of her life where like she's been giving pills all the time to keep her awake or to make her go to sleep. And like how that has impacted her as an adult where she's still really dependent on drugs. You never see her eat almost. There's one scene where you see her eat. Because she's been drilled in her head so much that she has to be small. She has to keep her figure. So I like that a lot. And I did like Renée Zellweger in it. I think she did capture her pretty well. And at times I forgot that we were watching Renée Zellweger. Which I think is difficult to do in a biopic. You're a lot more positive than most critics were. Yeah, I enjoyed it. (laughs) It's one of those movies like I'm not sure I would want to watch a second time though. But I did think... It was more creative than I thought it was going to be going into it, which for me counts for a lot. Uh, next up, Joker. That's probably going to be on uh, some top list. <laughs> yeah, Definitely sure not is. us. No. I am a uh, professed tyrant to this film, which I thought was had very little new to, to say. Uh, I felt it was like a copy of a bunch of things I've seen. People always uh, say it was like, oh, is it Scorsese? And it's Scorsese's King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. It's also a couple seasons of Gotham. It's also The Dark Knight. It's it's copying off so many other things. And at the end of the day, for me, it was never connecting with any of the stories it was trying to tell. Whatever, yes. What is this about? Yeah. And it's never really about the thing. No, which is what also bothered me. It's not really about the media and how we treat 
scandals and how we treat mental illness in media. It's not really about that, but it's kind of about that. It's not really about how we treat mental illness like in the institution of it. It's a little bit about that, but it's not really about that. It doesn't say anything profound about any of the subjects, but it wants to talk about all of them. Yeah, I think you know Joaquin Phoenix is performance is unimpeachable yes he's ex he's very strong in this I you know it's I, I won't really complain if he gets any Oscar nods or whatever because yeah, uh, I, I mean I, he's definitely at least deserves a nomination for it for sure but the movie he's in just never completes a pass yeah let's avoid angering any joker lovers out there but I despised it so okay <laughs> <laughs> let's move on <laughs> Move on. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Not for me. No, neither for me. Uh, Downton Abbey, the <laughs> movie. Or is it? <laughs> that I went into having seen nothing. <laughs> and I've seen the series. I've seen, I had the seen series. absolutely nothing. And I still felt like that was like a fun time. It did feel like a prolonged episode of a TV show. Yeah, there's so many subplots. Yeah. And I don't think, even visually, I don't think they went above and beyond what the TV series was doing? No, I would imagine. It, it didn't, like, wow me aesthetically or no. anything like that. The so costumes it, are nice. Sure, you've got, you know, of course, you've got Maggie Smith and Penelope mm -hmm. Wilton bantering. and Yeah, and that's delightful. Sure. Like, I could watch just Maggie Smith yeah, <laughs> talk to people about but two it, hours. To me, it did feel, and, and having seen the series, it really felt like... This is like the reunion show. It's like the Christmas Which, special or I something. I think that's what it was. And then they, they decided, let's put it on the big screen to, to make more money. I think that's what it was, to be honest. I think that's just what happened. <laughs> Sad. Uh, Zombieland Double Tap. The long-awaited sequel to the first Zombieland. And maybe it's come too late? I think it did. There's like, just been so much zombie stuff Yeah, like when it then. came out, it was kind of... In the, I think, like, the beginning to middle of the big zombie-focused time. <laughs> <laughs> the zombie era. Yes, the zombie era. I think what bums me out about it is, uh, like, for a lot of the actors in that movie, like the first one, we didn't really know them that well yet. Well, that's true. <laughs> Which I think is the reason why the sequel I don't think Emma exists. Stone was much of a star no, back Emma then. No, Emma Stone is one of her first... Obviously, Woody Harrelson was already. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But even um, Jesse Eisenhower hadn't done. Heisenberg. Eisenhower is a president. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Eisenberg hadn't been in that much either at that point. So I think maybe the gap was a bit too long. I still found it enjoyable, but it was kind of like, meh. The thing with the the actual concept of this is like they wanted to make a television show, and it shows when you watch the first one. But even the second one, I don't think they... It's episodic. Yeah, they didn't repair that. It's just no. like episodes. And it, it also ends on a note that the adventure continues. So they could make a triple tap. Yeah. and uh, I'm not sure that they will. In 10 years. But maybe... <laughs> Terminator Dark Fate, speaking of long-awaited sequels, uh, this is the Terminator movie that actually follows T2. Uh, you can skip all the other ones, the bad ones, uh, and skip directly to this one as if it were the third, because it's the, only, the third one with Linda Hamilton in it, the true Sarah Connor. So uh, Terminator Dark Fate didn't get good reviews. I really liked it yeah. for what it was. I agree. I didn't have huge expectations for it, but I, I found it fine you know yeah like, i think it's like it's relentless as an action film 
Mm-hmm. Which is it's a little bit like the Terminator itself as a you know, pursuing villain. Some good jokes, interesting ways to take the, well, a Terminator, the Arnold Terminator. Uh, and uh, Linda Hamilton in this, Sarah Connor is sort of like Jamie Lee Curtis in The, the yes. Last Halloween. It's Which like, I love. I love like a the, good badass woman. The old, the older grizzled veteran <laughs> yes. of these types of films. Yeah, which is great. Who's had enough and is traumatized by her experience. Yeah, she's just powering through basically. And of course, this this is another one that is not subtle. Uh, the the new John Connor uh, that they they're trying to, to to kill from the future is a Mexican woman. <laughs> you know, it's like we get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then that Terminator, it's like in T two, he's a cop. In this one, the evil Terminator is ice. So, yeah, it's not a subtle film. No. But better than people like to, to say it is. I, think. I agree. Yeah. I think it's it's better than what... Yeah, of course, it's rinse, repeat. And, you know, we, we yeah. don't need to see any more Terminator movies. They're all the same. No, yeah. But as far as, like, a lot of Terminator movies are not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty safe to yeah. say at The this first point. two ones are really good. <laughs> And then this one... Like, if we were to do a marathon, I would like to include this one versus others. Correct. Right answer. <laughs> um, back to Stephen King, Dr. Sleep. You know what? Dr. Sleep didn't get great reviews either, and I think that was not deserved. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Same. Uh, I'm surprised because I think it's a terrible title. Oh, yeah. It's a I'm terrible always, title. Uh, for the book as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I also feel like watching this is like the book, another long-awaited sequel to The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a sequel to The Shining movie. Yes. It's a mix of the original Shining book, the Dr. Sleep book, and The Shining movie. Yes. I always felt like Stephen King was trolling his readers Probably he was getting hundreds of letters a year. Oh, when are you going to do another Shining? What happens to Danny? What happens to Danny? I'll tell you what happens to Danny. He becomes like a vampire hunter. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's like there's these vampires that eat the Shining. It's like, what? <laughs> How is weird. this part of this universe? Yeah. So it's not, to me, it's not a horror film. It's a supernatural thriller. Yes. The difference being that in a supernatural thriller, it's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The monsters are afraid of the people hunting them. You're not with the characters afraid of what's happening. You're with the heroes who are destroying these monsters. Mm-hmm. So it's a different type. Like, it feels like kind of like a side project to The Shining. Side project. Yes. More than like a sequel to it. Because I feel like The we Shining... We do go back to the hotel. Yeah. It makes sense that he would also become an alcoholic. I think that that would make sense, like, with his dad. And it's another one of those movies where we see how the past has impacted the future or the present, which I obviously enjoy. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. And, like, the magic of it was a little silly, maybe. Like, it seemed a little silly to me. Like, obviously, the whole, like, eating the shine of the people <laughs> is a bit weird. And it's vampires. They're basically yeah. vampires. And then The Shining is more than just what we saw. It's, like, all sorts of superpowers. It's, you know, it's X-Men thrown in. I Fine. Jo- like, and visually, really cool. Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie's Angels, which I would call the... Uh, the greatest ratio of terrible trailer to fun movie. It's like yes. the trailer does not the sell how fun sucked. this is. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially Kristen Stewart, who is so funny Shining in this. Star in this one, so for funny sure, in this. Yeah. Uh, and it, it it builds on the Charlie's Angels mythos. If you didn't know there was a mythos, it creates a mythos because I think the show. And those sucky movies from the 2000s all happened in this reality is just like... Which, that's funny to me. Like, I love that, that it all exists in the same universe. Just like at different times or in different places. I like spy movies. I like, yes, me too. I like spy comedies. And this is a, a fairly good spy comedy. 
Ford v. Ferrari. I think, okay, I feel like Ford versus Ferrari is not made for me. <laughs> You're not into car racing? Well, I don't particularly care about that. It just feels very made for dads. Mm. Like, it's a dad movie to me. I still liked it a lot, and I thought the acting was really good in it, and I thought they had um, Matt Damon and... Um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale had, like, really good chemistry together. Yeah. I like seeing them interact and seeing them bicker and fight, and I thought they were really great together. It just generally felt like a dad movie to me. <laughs> and I think the theater distribution... Yeah, would agree. Would agree. Uh, I really like... Car movie, well, not car movies, but car racing movies mm-hmm. for some insane reason. Because as you know, I do not drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never driven. But I like car racing as a yes. visual, I guess. And the racing was really fantastic well done. to watch, yeah. It does not beat my favorite racing movie of all time, which is Grand Prix, which is a pretty, an older one. But it does have some of the same beats in a way because of some, some of the, the racetracks in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, are part of are both in those two movies, but yeah, I would agree. It was it's a good acting showcase. I like how the races and like the corporate. Basically, the lesson of this movie or the message of this movie is that corporations, the corporate mindset, uh, is opposite to any creativity. Yes. So people being creative and then corporations, and of course, this is supposed to be a fight between car car companies. But, but the really, actual owners of these companies don't. Like, at least Ford didn't care about this no. at all. Like, no. he just wanted them to succeed so it would look good for the company. But he has no investment in it. It's it's about the ethics of corporate America. Yeah, and kind of being at the and, mercy yeah. of that to be able to create. Frozen 2. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you go, ah, oh, that's not on your top 10. No, but I love Frozen, <laughs> just in general. I think they craft those movies with attention to detail and care. You can really tell that they wanted to make this good. And I appreciate that. Like, they could have knocked out a sequel faster because it's been a long time. Mm. Like, well, okay, maybe not faster because those movies still take like four years to make at least. But I feel like you could tell that they wanted to make a sequel to this that made sense in the universe and that had some new things to say. And yet, I think they cheaped out. Yeah, I know. Uh, think... Apparently, they did. I, I was talking to Marty the other day and he was telling me that he'd read a, the, the story that. Um, you know, like the ending was supposed to be something, but that it interfered with toy sales. Oh, that's a bummer. So they reversed. I'm not surprised about so, that. So the but... stuff that I felt was like, <laughs> yeah, it could have been know, pushed you, differently. You cowards. Yeah. You know why does it end on such a kind of status quo kind of thing? Instead, you know, it could have gone like yeah. a little further. Yes. Uh, and then mean. doesn't. So. I agree that the ending yeah. was a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like fine. Yeah, but the movie looks gorgeous. But it looks gorgeous, and I find, good songs. Like sure. As a sister, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, I love a good sister relationship. I feel like that's not something we explore in films that much, and I think their bond is particularly interesting to watch because in the first film we see Anna basically being shut out completely from her sister. And not being able to connect with her and then having to connect with her to fix what's going on. And in this one, you can see her wanting to grab on so hard to that relationship when she really needs to let go. So I thought that was cool. The Mm. progression of their relationship. It's a good mirror. And also, I think the comedy beats are quite Very funny. (laughs) And Uh, the songs. I really like the songs. I think there. I'm not sure about this, but I feel like there are more songs in this. At least in the first half, they they really pack it in, and I'm here for it. Into the end.
Jumanji The Next Levels. I've seen this. Yeah, I you, haven't seen it yet. Yeah, um, so I, I won't spoil you, but I will say it's uh, more of what you liked in the first one, uh, but they don't strictly stick to that. So you get new players, you get new avatars, you get new abilities, you get new a new mission, a uh, new level to play, I guess, the next <laughs> yeah. level. Uh, so I thought it was just as... It's a bit slow to start. Mm. I think it's like at the beginning, it's like, oh, th- these are a lot of beats that I saw in the trailer, and the dreaded trailer syndrome I, I yes. have. And uh, I feel like the trailers show way too much. I was afraid of that, <laughs> and they sort of do, but actually they don't. So okay, it's a bit that's like, good to it's know. It's a bit like Shazam. It's like... Because I felt like, oh, stop showing me everything. Like I there's a whole it. other bit. Let's say let's, let's, that's let's, good. It's like there's a lot we don't get to see in the in the trailer. So they're still full of surprises. I think it it gets to be quite funny, quite charming, and um, you know punch the air kind of moments. It's a great little adventure. That's fun. They can keep making them. Uh, I, I mean, I think they will. They, they make a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm, if they can figure out a way to make a third one, I'm sure they will. There, there's a way. The last one, except for those that are in our top ten, is Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Are you guys surprised this is not in our top ten? No, nobody's surprised. I think there's like a lukewarm reception yeah. across the board. I went to see it alone. So I came out of it not having anyone really to discuss it with. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I find that people that had somebody else to talk to started picking it apart. And it doesn't come off as well. And I agree with all the complaints. Yeah. But... It's also a big spectacle, and I never expect much yeah. from a Star Wars movie. That's me. I think for me, I was disappointed by certain choices. Because I think as a whole, I still had fun. I still enjoyed it. It was still like really cool to watch visually. Some really cool scenes in it. Like, uh, But I just felt like... I think they overcorrected. <laughs> and uh, they made some choices that just didn't do service to... That movie in particular, but also the franchise as a whole. Uh, it just was a little bit frustrating afterwards. At, it's like, at this oh. point, it really feels like these last three, and this last one for sure, are movies written by committee. Yes. And part of the so. committee is the angry fanboys that saw the previous film. Mm-hmm. So the movies keep going. It's, it's like they never had a plan. And I'm not saying the original films had a plan, because George Lucas likes to say he had a plan, but yeah, I don't believe that. The, the history doesn't just really doesn't bear that out. No. Um, and you could definitely Well, no, tell. the first Star Wars ends, there's really an ending. <laughs> yeah, and with these ones, you can tell that they're just kind of making up as it goes as along. As it goes along. And like and, you say, correcting. Like in this one, I felt like they included new characters that we really didn't need. Uh, yeah, just what because, are the, all these introductions? Like, we don't need that. It's the end. Just, yeah. I just want to see Let's Ray, Poe, and Finn yeah. saving the universe. Like, that's all I wanted. <laughs> Let's introduce four or five new characters, but... Not necessary. But let Rose lie fallow. Like, yeah, do nothing. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like it was unfortunate. And I feel like you, what you were saying earlier about, like, writing by committee is really clear based on, like, what happening afterwards like all the writers are just blaming each other for this <laughs> like i've seen so many articles pass by where it's like that was not my idea that was this person's idea it's like well <laughs> that that doesn't like you're also responsible you're also there like you should have been working together towards the better film and i don't think that's what they did so nice spectacle but yes Funny. I still, and i still like i left and i was like you know what 
I still had a fun space yeah. adventure. You know, we called Fro- I called Frozen a coward. Oh, this is definitely a film that is a coward. Yes, absolutely. You know? It's scared of its own shadow. You yes. know, it's, it's scared of what people will say. And, <laughs> and they're going to say bad things regardless. It's like the, re- the reaction afterwards has been really funny to watch. But not from people, because I don't like people. <laughs> I don't like people. But the actors, like John Boyega and Oscar Isaac, are all clearly like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Which I find pretty funny. And it's a bit sad, because it's like, uh, I think they wanted it to be better than it was. Uh, but you know, those things are on schedules, and you, exactly. don't, you don't wait around. You can only do so much. Really? Worst film you ever saw? Well, my next one will be better. It's the Film and Water Podcast. The Film and Water Podcast covers movies new and old, classic, and uh, not so classic. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, available weekly on fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Eight Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. The top ten. Ta ta ta. <laughs> so, let's start with number 10. Let's get up to number 1. I think this is how these things are done. And so what is your number 10, Nat? Uh, my number 10 is Ready or Not. We're going to start the count. <laughs> Good luck. The Hide and Seek movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if Hide and Seek was a movie? <laughs> It's not on my list. I really liked it a lot for several reasons. First of all, just because of the timing of this movie, like, I love a good, like, let's eat the rich kind of vibe. (laughs) And it definitely has this vibe. Like, this is a really privileged family who has this crazy tradition and they're enforcing this on this girl who doesn't really fit into this family and she's forced to kind of fight her way out. I was with her the whole time. I was like, yes, you can do this. I believed in her. And she went through hell. (laughs) But it was just really satisfying for me to watch. And frankly, just impressive. Like, it's a detail, but like, she's wearing a wedding dress the whole time. And the the wedding dress gets like really messed up and it always looks correct, which congrats to the costume designers for that. And anyone involved in that because it, yeah. it felt seamless. The dress? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was a good time as well. It's not our the, the only big mansion eat the rich no. movie on this list. Uh, no. There's another one, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, good fun. I think sometimes predictable to me. Yes. Uh, the, you see the gags kind of coming, but what I really liked is the humor. Yeah. Of it because a lot of the characters. I mean, they've got this pact with the devil and, you know, they're doing things <laughs> to stay rich mm-hmm. uh, and these grotesque ceremonies. They're also aware that it's absurd. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of commentary and, like, from they're them. they're not even really sure if it's real. It's just really funny. <laughs> but they're doing it anyway and because they're just, callous rich yeah, people. Yeah, they're like, uh, we're not going to risk it. But also because, like, the money is way more important. 
<laughs> but also, like, just the characters. Like, I really love the characters. Yeah, I found, like, Adam Brody's character really engaging and fun for me to watch. And I, I think, like, all the characters were just, like, pleasant to watch. And, like, crazy and weird. And it felt a lot like, well, it was a lot like, you know screw the rich but it was also kind of like when you're going into a new family of people and they already have a dynamic and you kind of have to like find your place and in some it. people are against you mm-hmm. you know that's like yeah. anyone that's had their relationship destroyed <laughs> by, by the family, by the family <laughs> yeah uh, will definitely relate to this uh, i would recommend it even though it is not in my top 10 my 10th is a beautiful day in the neighborhood ah oh, which is also on my list i put it six yeah Hello, neighbor. What you think you're going to see, essentially, is a Mr. Rogers biopic. It is not a Mr. Rogers no, biopic. it really isn't. No. Uh, so it does not replace the stellar documentary from the year before. Which I was worried about. I felt like, are they just cashing in on that and they're just going to rehash it, but in like a... No, there are some there are some things. I mean, yeah, of course, the, it's, it's still the same about in, him. Yeah, a lot of information is delivered that is the same. And I mean, that journalist—it's actually a fictionalized version, but the the journalist is in the documentary as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really about a, a journalist who goes out to get a story on Mr. Rogers. It's supposed to be a puff piece, but he's an investigative journalist, so he tries to peer deeper, tries to find. He tries to find the, you know, how to cancel Mr. Rogers, <laughs> and I mean that in the cancel culture sense. Yeah. Like, is he for real? Mm-hmm. And he is for real. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's really the, a family drama about this journalist. And Mr. Rogers is more of like the imp figure, you know, like a genie, yeah. like a, like, like an angel, or, you know, he's like a character, like this fantasy character. That comes into his life and fixes it or inspires it or sends it in another direction? To me, it kind of felt like he was forcing him to think about those things. It was things that he did not want to think about, like, from his past and his childhood. And he was like, I'm just going to push that away. You can tell that's what he wanted to do. Just ignore it as much as he can and move on. But he kept, like, asking questions and kind of insinuating, like, you know, you need to think about this. And by making him think about it, he made him make amends and fix his life. So, so it shows Mr. Rogers in action and his world and his television show and his personality. And I think Tom Hanks does a good job with it. Mm-hmm. But really, he's the supporting character yeah. in this. He's basically uh, there yeah. to help the journalist. Come you know? to terms with his own life. Yeah. You know, he's like, it's interesting because in a way it's like he's giving him the, the, the shortcut to, you know, you've never watched my show, but if you had been a kid this watching my show, a lot, yeah, exactly. And also I think it's interesting because it, it also feels like, because they mention it at some point in the film, how he must find it exhausting because people want him to fix them all the time, which we do see, like, he's so attentive to everyone that he meets. Mm-hmm. Like he wants a picture so that he can like remember them and show his wife and he's so hyper attentive to people and there's no way that that wasn't heavy on him mm-hmm. and you can see glimpses of that yeah. in the movie which I thought was really great yeah it's really poignant mm-hmm. I gotta say and we cried <laughs> oh. oh my god alright let's move on before it happens again uh-huh. um, your ninth Movie. What is your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Midsommar. Midsommar, Midsommar. Mm. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. 
I still say Midsummer. I know it's written Midsummer. <laughs> it is my number six, mm-hmm. and it kept flipping to five. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, it started way lower on the list earlier in the year. And the more I thought about it, and I haven't even seen the expanded director's cut, oh, which is apparently is? yeah, oh, apparently super God. interesting. Um, and I want to see it yeah. eventually, but it, it I just kept. Thinking about it. Yes. And this is an early film that we saw. Yeah. Just like, oh, maybe it was the summer. It feels like it's a long time ago. It was, and, yeah. And, and I, my girl Florence Pugh is in it. But, yeah, man. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really... It, it kept coming back to me. So I think it's very rich. Like, it's rich in subtext. It's rich in colors. It's rich in visuals. It's rich in performances. Mm-hmm. Like, across the board, like, Because it's so funny, much. but it's shockingly violent at one point, and people walked out of the room. Yes, we did see people being like, you know what, this is too much This is too me. much. But, you know, so it's this bizarre, for people who don't know, I guess, it's this bizarre journey to a commune let's call it a commune a cult um, well a community that is living by its own rules and its own faith uh in scandinavia and this group of anthropology students decide to go to that festival because one of them is from there and among their number is the girlfriend of one of them who has survived a uh horrific event that killed her whole family so she goes there it's sort of supposed to be curative it's sort of yeah she's supposed to like you know, move, yeah. help her move on and, yeah. and have fun. And they didn't really want to include her in the trip anymore. No, because she'd been having such a hard time and had been so sad. Yeah. So it also turns out to be like the ultimate breakup movie. Yes. Because uh, that's part of the subtext. Once they get there, things become very strange. Uh, but there's a... Like you say, it's subtext. It's a lot... It's mm-hmm. like so much to unpack, so much to think yes. about, so much to write about oh, yeah. uh, in this film. It's very intricate. Mm-hmm. And yet... It's also funny and, you know, and charming in ways and you, you're following these characters and it eventually turns to horror, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was my number six and your number uh, nine. My number nine is Luce, oh. L-U-C-E. When I first met my mother, she couldn't pronounce my name. My father suggested that they rename me. They picked Luce, which means light. And this is almost feels like like it's a play. It's maybe it is. <laughs> it feels like it's a play. Uh, this is another one that ha- there was a lot to unpack because it's about a, a young man. It's teenagers, I guess. Uh, they're in high school, uh, but this is a young black man who is like top of his class and a football star, and also he's come from you know part of this plot. He's his parents are white, so he is privileged and yet not. Yeah, yeah. But it. It's really about that dichotomy that if you're a if you're a black man in America, if to use that turn of phrase, either you're Obama or you're a thug. Yes. And there's no middle ground. Yeah. And he and they gets did this perfect. Oh my god! It's it's such a, mm-hmm. uh, a rich and complex drama about race, about privilege, and you're getting all sorts of points of view, including from a, like the black teacher who who believes that yes, all this has to go on his on Luce's shoulders. Uh, but he's also a bad boy because he start, he wants to rebel. Uh, and then all his friends don't get the same privileges. No, if he rebels, then that changes who he is. Versus if they rebel, it's just kind of a part of them. It's very, very complex. And I mean, it right was, up to yeah. the last shot. To me, this was a superhero movie because Luce has like a, a tragic secret origin. Uh, he has a secret identity. He's hiding who he really is. Uh, he's doing things on the slide. He, he turns vigilante in a way. So this felt to me like 
like a superhero movie mm-hmm. uh, as, as the way it's constructed, but a com- you know a, a riveting one. So uh, and and I still remember the score. It's a very sparse spare kind of score really odd not something you listen to at home but uh, <laughs> casual not, listening. not, not really but <laughs> but still it's you know it's that that sort of a really really solid drama that had a lot to say and that i could rewatch again and again yeah so this is and you would tell you would notice different things yeah. each time yeah great uh, performances great mm-hmm. uh, great cast that's my number nine what is your number eight my number eight is Booksmart. Which did not make my list. Are we going to go to school or? Nope. What's two plus two? Yes, my short list, but not my <laughs> final. I think what I really love about Booksmart is like how genuine and honest it was to me. I feel like those characters felt very real. It, and it felt like a very clear... We don't often get a movie made for teens that really exemplifies what it's like to be a teen at that precise moment. Mm-hmm. It was eighth grade like, last year. Yes, but it's, it's, the it's same super. It's super idea. bad with girls. Is, is the <laughs> yeah, basically is like a glimpse into what it's like to be a teenager right now, uh, which I like. Oh, okay, you mean in this day and age? Yes. Okay, which is what I really like about it. It felt like a. It felt like it in the same way eighth grade. It felt like it understood what it's like to be a teenager, but I felt like it understood what it was like to be a teenager now, which I think is difficult to achieve. Because usually, usually the people writing yeah, it yeah. <laughs> have not been a teen for a long time. You can tell that it was like very collaborative and um, it just felt very honest to me. And I just really, I'm, I'm a sucker for like a strong female friendship on screen, which is always great. Yeah. And they had such great chemistry. Yeah. I love seeing them together. And it was really funny, but it was also like really like deep. Like they were dealing with like pretty heavy things, like insecurities about sexuality and all those things. And which is great because they actually included that. They actually included an LGBT character, which they rarely do. So that was also like really important to me to see like, wow, like they're actually representing kids right now. Mm-hmm. Like what, what they're facing. And it, it's still universal because I, I you know, as mm-hmm. a, uh, as a nerd who didn't party much, <laughs> yeah, because it's basically that, right? Yeah. Like they've they've been they, they feel like they've wasted they've wasted their high everybody's school. Everybody's getting into college anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't matter. Even like, the goof offs, <laughs> uh, yeah. even which the is totally true. That's absolutely yeah, the way it is. Of course. So, <laughs> of course. like maybe you'll get some cash. You know, you'll yeah. be the same. You'll still be there with everybody else that slacked mm-hmm. off. Like generally, that's what it is. Yeah. So they kind of want to like retake all that in one night. So it's kind of their adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't go well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I felt that, you know, but, I felt yes. it was relatable, even though I was that age in the eighties. Because mm-hmm. there's certain things that as a teenager, just remain true no matter what time period you're in. And I was sort of that kind of kid, shenanigans and inside jokes and, you know, that sort of thing. That was your number eight. My number eight is Avengers Endgame. Ah, which is my number seven. Whatever it takes. Okay, so you just like so a little bit more. Just a little, a little bit more. more. I wasn't sure where to put it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I knew I wanted to put it here. I know I the geek world sure. is going to put it, like, number one. Yeah, I don't think that's fair. But, but you know, we're looking at a broader range of film uh, on this show. And uh, Avengers Endgame is still the movie event of 
our time. Yeah. You know, there's ne never going to be another movie like this. No. And there's we had so much. We had literally like 10 years of building up to right. this. Right. Like more than 20 movies building up to this. And it was so satisfying. Yes. Uh, there was a lot of fan service, but well done. Mm -hmm. uh, a story that in weaved back and forth into the entire timeline of it that paid off so many characters. And even the smallest character might have been glimpsed in the corner here and there for their fans. I saw it a couple times uh, because uh, you almost have to. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so stressed because like, I had to wait to be able to see it. So I had to wait like over a week after it had already been out. And I was like, oh my god, I'm going to be spoiled. Everything is going to be terrible. And I was just like, I'm just going to avoid the internet. And I I managed to not get spoiled by mm -hmm. it. Was, I, it was important to us that you not get spoiled because, <laughs> because your hero dies. Because of what happens, yeah. yes. Oh man, I was a wreck. Like, <laughs> literally... I think the next day, or maybe it was the same day, I was talking with my boyfriend about, about, you know, Iron Man and how upset it made me. And I was cutting pizza for supper and I was sobbing. <laughs> like, I could not talk about it for at least two days. Wow. I was just, I was going to no, cry. It, it really, it's, it's a complete package. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you like these movies at all, it's gonna reach you. It's yeah. gonna, it's, you know, it's got. It was so satisfying. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I feel like we got great endings for for the characters that made sense to have endings for, and new motivation for characters who are still there. So, like, like Spider Man, like we can, we've seen him in Far From Home, kind of dealing with that. And, and it was kind of ballsy because you know, there's like a five year jump, and it's was like, yeah, there's a lot happening. I was like, what? What's going on? You know, <laughs> absolutely. It dares to change. It it does the things that Skywalker didn't. Yes, it's and it, it paid was off. brave. It was brave. <laughs> yeah, it um, really paid off in many off. ways. Yeah. Okay, that was my number eight, and it's your number seven. Yeah. So I guess it's back to me for my number seven, which is Jojo Rabbit. Ah, uh, yeah, that is my number four. So it made your top five. Yes. I don't think I can do this. Russ, of course you can. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit is uh, the kid with the imaginary Hitler. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds WTC. crazy when you say it like that. Um, <laughs> the only human on earth who could probably pull this off. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, It's also got a good turn for, you know, for... There are a lot of good characters in this, mm -hmm. um, including uh, Scarlett Johansson as the mother. She's had a she very had strong a year. year yeah. yeah, she's got a good year. Plus... You know, Black Widow coming out mm -hmm. uh, in the spring, I guess. It's it's about how kids get radicalized on yeah. in, on watching YouTube. It's, Absolutely. You know, it's basically that. And I think that's why, because originally when I found out this was coming out, I was a bit nervous because I'm like, I don't know how you make this film. <laughs> <laughs> but what I loved about it is that is it addresses something that we're not really talking about, which is how it's you can really radicalize children into believing things, and it's difficult to unlearn it. Yeah, like we but it, see the, the, him, the film tells you it's possible, and you must question. Yes. You must question you have to the, this received wisdom, mm -hmm. yeah. which I think is really important. That's that's a big thing like as a teacher that's something that I would talk about a lot. Like you have to question your sources. You have to question the information that you're getting because that's the way we learn and that's the way we can form our own opinions. 
So not just taking other people's opinions and then having them again. And I think that movie really addresses that. And I love to see the transition uh, towards him changing his mind and understanding that. Yeah, because it's completely normal for a child to not understand the, the moral implication yeah. or that this is hateful. Yeah, like those people are the bad people. Like, okay, you can it's understand black that. and white, and but you know, it's there's not no... black and white at all. No, and, you know, by having this bond with this girl that's like in our their house, he can see like that they're just people. Like everyone is just a person, and the transition out of like Hitler and kind of losing his ground, and you see like eventually like it gets actually pretty scary with him uh, towards the end with Hitler because you can see that he like lost control and he's like really angry about it. Yeah, I just love Taika Waititi. Yeah, and I, he's, <laughs> his comedy is wonderful. It was really Stephen funny. Merchant is in this as the super tall Nazi. They make Nazis funny. Yes, which is not easy to do. Uh, which is dangerous to do. Yeah, in a way, but uh, but there's, there's still that evil is. It that's what the that's threat what is I really think, there. That's yeah. why I think it works as a film in the end because you can see like there's glimpses at the end where you can see Hitler actually being really evil you can see that it's there because before he's just kind of like a no, he's, silly he's ima- man <laughs> imaginary friend there's no context no because it's basically him, yeah. him like imagining what hitler might be like you know uh so he's kind of like a silly guy that's encouraging him i think ytt is very good at making kids movies because if you've ever seen uh wildebeests hunt for the wildebeests uh which is also about a kid it takes place in new zealand this is a, that's a really great film as well so he knows yeah, how to like direct children and write those stories. All right. Number six. We've covered them because yep. mine was Midsummer. Yours was... A Beautiful Day in the A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So, okay, let's move on to number five. We broached the top five. My number five is The Lighthouse. Which is my number two. Just looking around a living. It's like any man. On the run. And it kept switching back and forth, one and two, one and two, one and two. I do understand. I I struggled a lot with, like, where I was going to It's really my kind of movie, I guess. (laughs) I think the reason why it's not higher for me is just because, like, it was so intense. Like, I can't say that I enjoyed it. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I did, but it it was... That's why it didn't actually reach my one. Mm-hmm. It's number two because while it is rich and literary and... Oh, my God. It's incredible. Uh, and amazing to watch. Yeah. I was perhaps more entertained by my number one. I was just, I'll yes. see that. I don't want to... I completely yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, I just... Like, it's stunning. And I always think, like, going the route of putting it in black and white was such a good call. I think that that was perfect. I and think... the and the box-like form, you know, the, the, yeah. the square-like format. Mm-hmm. It looks like... It looks like an old film. Yeah. Like, you could be fooled, potentially, yeah. into believing that. Except for the phone is in it. <laughs> and Pattinson, yeah. yeah. But uh, I guess, yeah, it's like we were saying with Midsommar. Um, it's really rich uh, in subtext and in themes. And, like, you know, that kind of, like, beating... Like becoming your father, or, you know. Yeah. Like, like I think I think it, reaching higher grounds, but like where does it stop? And like where are you well, actually? Yeah. What are you even reaching for? There's an element of telling God to go to hell, yeah, kind of thing. Because it, there is a there are many readings to this, but you can read it biblically. You can read it. It's Homeric. 
it's Odyssean in a way. It's also Lovecraftian in a way. It's also uh, Melvillian. It's like Moby Dick in the Lighthouse yeah. in, in a way as well. Uh, it's funny, but it's also sometimes shocking. I mean, it's supposed to be a horror film. Yeah, and it's also like disturbing at times. Yeah, and, 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 and you sort of lose touch with time passing by. And so, yeah. is it happening? Is like any of this happening? Yeah, what's happening? What's real? What's not? It's it's And I think that's what I enjoyed about the film, is I feel like everyone who watches it will have a different perspective. What you imagine from this will vary greatly. Yeah. And that's what I like about it, because I feel like it's so open to interpretation. Yeah, and it was filmed in Nova Scotia yeah. on the day, <laughs> uh, with um, stories or pictures. Yeah, there's online. a great photo of Willem Dafoe in a grocery store, like holding pancake mix. It's wonderful. And he's got this <laughs> huge, huge beard. He's <laughs> like this Ahab character. So, uh, yeah, to me, it was like a very, very rich literary experience. Yes. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. to take in. So it's good for the brains. Yes. Uh, my number five was the last film to have Florence Pugh in it. My girl Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Little Women. And I, that was my number three. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. A top five film. We just saw it very recently. I had never seen any other Little Women I had. before. Uh, I know. But just the 94 one? Yes. Which I've since seen... And I think it's awful. Uh, <laughs> and in comparison, I mean, I'm sure you're right because I mean, I've compa- seen the other yeah. one like before. Like I, I thought it was fine. It didn't blow my mind or anything. But this one did. Yeah, this one is so well cast. Oh, it's it is so well acted. It's all in the little moments, and you can tell that Greta Gerwig understands. Like she understood these characters. Much more than anyone, like, uh, like in comparison to the the, 90s the, the previous one. one, yeah. Like you can tell that she's like she and she paid attention to each character. Florence Pugh's character, I don't even remember. <laughs> in other films, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's just like whatever. But like she's a fully fleshed person, and she has to like we say, okay, this is like Florence Pugh's third role, but it's also like her third and fourth and fifth yeah. role because she we see her grow up. So she's forced to play, uh, and some people thought, because mm, in other films, they've used different actresses yeah. for the older Amy. But uh, but Florence Pugh plays both. So she plays the child version, the 13-year-old. At least she's not 12, but the 13-year-old. And then she also plays, like, the 21-year-old. And uh, so she has to track that. And she does both perfectly. Yeah, and, I mean, she's an amazing, she's funny, she's the Kristen Stewart of this film. Mm-hmm. If I compare it to Charlie's Angels, um, I feel like no one has done that. But. They should. I, I see. Uh, I see. Compare contrast essay coming up. Uh, but, but yeah, so that that character is a standout for sure. But yeah. of course, it's Joe's story. It's always been Joe's yes. story. And I think this is what I love about Greta Gerwig's work. If we look at Lady Bird the other year and this, is how she gives a humanity to every character, no matter how small. Everybody in this is important. Everything is important. Every yeah. detail. And everyone is a person. Like, even if they're characters. Like, even, like, the older man that lives across the... Yeah, like the grandfather. Um, you know, he has Laurie's one, grandfather. He has one of the most poignant Ooh. moments for me. And it's it's so subtle. And it's just like, he can't go in there. Not, I just watched a 94 one. <laughs> and he shows up out of the blue and gives Beth a piano. And, and I'm like, oh, does Beth play the piano in this one? Mm-hmm. You but know, it's it's like it's like let's get to the story beats. Because he's not even that big of a character in this. No, but everybody, but, even like the the, the man uh, who gets a scarf 
mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, the man who gets a scarf, that's it. <laughs> uh, even he has a humanity and like a little something and it's like everything is catered to that way. And I find that the, my problem with a lot of, I'll call it women's historical fiction, mm-hmm. like these older books written by women at a time when uh, a lot of these things end up in romance. I, I, you know, the one I'd, I'd mentioned is like Far From the Madding Crowd, which we also got a film for uh, recently. You've got this feminist heroine, at least in the modern reading, yeah, uh, who is rejecting marriage for most of the book. And then at the end... We have to have like a wrap-up where she, she, oh, she gets married. Yeah, yeah bam, she, she gets married. And I mean, that goes back far. You know, Shakespeare was doing the same thing. All his, his feminist heroines who dress in drag and, you know, all of that stuff always end up getting married and more often than not stop speaking the minute they are married. Yeah. They, they, there are no more lines. Their character is done at that yeah. point. Yeah. And uh, I think Shakespeare, Shakespeare probably did that very, very consciously. It's like, I've stolen this character's voice, but this is the only way that these comedies can end. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way that these historical uh, romances, melodramas can end. And the movie, like in most movie versions, well, you know, Joe's got to get married is what it is. Yeah. And in this one too. But... And I won't spoil it, but the way that Greta Gerwig does this is like she gets she's like she she, eats, she gets her cake and eats it too. Yeah, it's really we know what's going on here, mm. kind of kind of vibe. And so it doesn't feel like a betrayal no. of the character it the way that like, I think many other. It feels other like her taking ownership of her story, the yeah. way that scene is portrayed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Little Women, very very high on oh, my list. Man, yeah, something I will rewatch. It could times. go. It could have gone higher. Yeah. You know, like, it's the I'm just like, oh. Like, it was my three. So, number four. Number four for you was Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. You said. For me, it's Knives Out. Oh, uh, which is my number one. Number one. I suspect foul play. <laughs> yeah. I hesitated a lot for this because I was like, I know there are other movies that we're going to talk about that are objectively, like, probably better. <laughs> But I don't think there's a movie that I enjoyed the experience of more this year yeah. than that. No, I agree with that. It's super entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it's a really well put together, old fashioned, draw room mystery. Which I love. And, and I feel like we yeah. don't get that often. No, anymore. but usually we get like uh, Agatha Christie Which is adaptations. Great. Like we've gotten that in the past few years, but it's uh, this movie was so fresh. And I want to watch it again and again because I feel like it's one of those movies that I'm going to get different things out of yeah. each watch. Yeah. Which is something that I really enjoyed because it's so detailed. Just like the way, I, I, just the way characters are like in a room and what they're doing. And there's just so many of them. I'm sure if you're looking at different parts of the shot, you're going to see different things. And they don't skimp on the detective work. No, you, you actually yeah. see the nitty gritty of the detective work. People don't realize, but for a director, that's a very tough thing to do is to create a geography where you're going to understand these scenes, where you're going to understand the procedural element. And that a mystery that is so convoluted, because these things have to be very convoluted, will track so well that you're not confused at all. And you know where everybody is or was or where they were and what their agendas was and who's lying and who's not. And and you can track this super, super easily in this. So Ryan Johnson did a super good job yeah. and he knows this genre mm-hmm. uh, very well. And I wish he would do more. Yeah. Let's, let's knives in. And it's like, it's like, yeah, whatever. I'm totally. Not. Benoit would, Blanc needs to yes, be another Yes, I want to see thing. him just solve other yeah. crimes, please. Because he's such a douchebag. He's such <laughs> oh a pretentious douchebag. But he's, he's a character, which yeah. is what I love. Like, 
I want my detective to be a character. <laughs> He's an Hercule Poirot or yeah. Sherlock Holmes. And you that's know, that detective. so fun. Like, you need someone with, hmm. like, charisma. Because it just, it makes the whole movie, like, the movie to me, like, I don't know if this is going to make sense to people, but for me, it felt warm. Like, I felt comforted by this film. Okay. Like, while I was watching it, it felt like I was watching an old favorite. <laughs> which is why I put it so high. Even though you'd never seen it. No, I'd yeah. never seen it before, but it felt like a movie that I had seen and loved <laughs> for years, you know? Because <laughs> I, while watching it, I was like, I know that this will be, like, this will be one of the movies that I remember seeing this year. And it's also one of these Eat the Rich yeah, which I'm totally for. <laughs> it's a rich family, and there's there's yeah. one not rich character who is pretty central to to the whole thing, uh, and um, you know I put it four, but I don't dispute that it could be number one. Yeah, the the top five is all a little fluid, anyways. Yeah, yeah. depends on my mood. <laughs> um, number three, then. Uh, you had Little Women. Mm-hmm. I had Us, which you did not. Yes, which I did consider. That was on my short list. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Us, to me, was one of those, uh, the, the Jordan Peele movie. It's pretty early in the year, and mm-hmm. yet I still think about it. Yeah. And not just for the Lupita Nyong'o performance, which is, which is amazing. Incredible. But it is a movie that defies all expectations. And is rich, just like Midsummer, yes. just like you know, it's like one of the like the lighthouse. They're all horror films of a sort, uh, but so intricate and so full of little touches, directorial touches that just add to the overall picture. Mm-hmm. And when you go in, you think it's it's going to be a lot like Jordan Peele's previous film, Get Out, uh, where we're gonna okay, it's us, so obviously it's. It's like a, fa- a black family, and they're being chased by, well, evil versions of themselves. The white idea of a black family, or, you know, it's yeah. like, these are the, the monsters that cops shoot, mm-hmm. and these are the actual real family. Yeah. Um, sort of, it may, you know, is, is that the metaphor? But then it becomes about all of us. It's about, it's about so much more. It's us, but it's, they, they could have put periods in there. It's the U.S. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, there's a reason why the, the villains are in, uh, orange overalls that, that are, you know, like prison wear. There's mm-hmm. like, there, and then the more you get into it, the crazier the twists come. It's like, this is Twilight Zone up over another Twilight Zone over another Twilight mm-hmm. Zone kind of episode. I, I find it amazing. I, I found there's like so much in there and so great metaphor for the reality that we live in. Yeah. Uh, our upside down world, if you will. So, uh, I, I really wanted to give it a high position and, uh, if it came out so early in the year and I still... You still think about it. Yeah, that's yeah. always a good sign. That's no, where... I, I completely agree. Like, Jordan Peele has a very creative mind. And I think he succeeds in showing us showing us things and making us understand it. Mm. He's not telling us, which is something I really appreciate. Yeah, it's not didactic. It's not no, like, here's a conversation a that explains it. a lot of times we're it. like, oh, well... Thank you for the explanation of what the theme is. Uh, he doesn't yeah, do that Yeah, thanks, at all. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do that at all. He really lets you enjoy and discover and take out of it what you want to take out of it. I, I will always want to see what he has. And one of the great successes of this film is that I would have continued to follow this family if there had no, not been a horror twist. Yeah. I would have been happy watching this family as a sort of comedy drama about a family that, that goes out to, you know, rents out a house or something. I would have watched that. Yeah. I would have watched these people. The characters are wonderful. Yeah. 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 That's number three. Number two. Well, number two for me was The Lighthouse. 
And your number two is my number one. So we've got just one film to talk about. <laughs> I figured it uh, might be the And case. it's my number one, your number two, Parasite. Yeah. I'm deadly serious. Parasite is the best film I've seen this year. Okay. I think. It just did not get the number one. Yes, because... Knives Out was the most entertaining. Yes, okay. like, if I were to choose... If this list would have been just objectively what I think is the best film of the year, I would have said that. Okay. I think it's the most well-crafted. I think it's another Eat the Rich, which is great. That's true. <laughs> We've got a lot of that this year, which I think is appropriate. Um, but I think there's just so much to it like we've said in a in several other movies that we've been talking about like this i feel like every time i watch that movie i'm gonna feel differently for sure it's a film that we don't want to spoil no it's a lot of people told us this beforehand everybody was saying that's the best film of the year and i mean it's been out in certain markets long before we didn't think we'd get it no it was a korean a korean movie (laughs) in our playhouses i'm surprised but um really happy yeah it was still like three weeks People said it's better if you don't know what what's going to be about going in. And I agree yeah. with that. There's a lot of surprises, yeah. and it, this does not follow a normal no. formula. It also changes tones and genres. Yes, which is something that I really thought was like perfectly well-crafted. Because we... It is really funny, and it is kind of like a family comedy almost in certain aspects, but it really changes up a bunch of times, and the tone changes, but it never feels wrong. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, they're just switching it up, and it's it doesn't feel right for the movie. Like, no. it, it always felt like the logical and progression. Yeah, it's organic. Yeah. Uh, and um, we can talk about the setup, and the setup is that there's this family of grifters they're all unemployed, mom, dad, sister, brother. And they, one of them gets a job at this rich house. And then they all sort of finagle their way, <laughs> Find a way to get into that, that money. <laughs> yeah, into that family. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then things proceed from there. But the things that proceed from there are, it's not formulaic from there. No. That first section, for sure, is very funny. It's fun to watch con man movies, which I think this is yeah. in large part. Uh, but it's it's also about something else. It's also something. It's about social status yep. and um, who has the power and who doesn't, and what's your place and where's the line. And uh, I think what really stuck with me about the movie is the complex degree in which they discuss those themes. Because mm-hmm. it's not just like they're saying they're pointing out like yeah. You know, we have major different classes, but like the way between each class and what happens when we, when we change and between those, just like. I really liked like the sister and I liked like the, the wife in the rich house as well are very Mm -hmm. funny and a lot of different characters to look at and to, but also I think like Bong Joon-ho, the the, the director, uh, we've seen some of his stuff before and he often goes with the social commentary kind of thing, but it's usually very obvious. It's usually very yeah. on the nose. Snowpiercer being yeah. like the major example. That was like really clear. Like it's, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the poor people are in the caboose and mm-hmm. the, the rich people are in the, the top of the train. And, you know, it's not subtle. And it didn't need to be subtle. No. But this one, I think, has a lot of subtlety because it, it has a lot of things going on in the background. Mm-hmm. You can come to very different conclusions, especially about the ending or the final fates of the yep. of the people. That's where it gets... Mm. The characters, you're not even sure Mm. what perspective they have. Yeah. Like, what are they understanding from this? I'm not even sure all the time. Because they could 
you know, they could see this a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Just like the title may refer to the the rich or the poor as parasites. Yeah. It's basically about the toxic relationship between, yeah, between social classes. Between social classes. We cannot live together. No, it is not possible. But we have to live off each other in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like, either it is, you know, the rich getting money from businesses that are worked by people that are poorer than them, or the people who are poorer than them have to have the jobs from these people to be able to live their lives. Like, it's a codependent relationship that just heavily benefits yeah. one but it's, side. it's parasitic, mm-hmm. is the thing. It's not symbiosis, it's not... No, yeah, it's, it's you know, not like a, <laughs> a even-keel relationship. No. There's a clear winner. So, we do recommend it. Yeah. Uh, watch Parasite as soon as you can. And uh, it's fun that, you know, like the top two, it's in, it's in your second, and so my first, uh, is actually, you know, it's like a Korean film that mm-hmm. I hope gets uh, more recognition as time goes on. And it's really, really grounded if people are like, oh, I've seen some Bong Joon-ho films before, and there's like science fiction, and not this one. This one is, is very grounded. It's in our world, uh, if our world is the city of Seoul, I guess, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's it's in the real world. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't have any genre twists, but it's not it's not sci-fi. If, so you expect that eventually there's like this alien parasite yeah, and it, it's, it's not, not going to happen. Like that, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our top tens. That's all the films that we saw this year. Uh, now Oscar season is starting. Uh, we got a lot of big movies as well to come in uh, 2020, uh, including... Listen to this. Uh, three big Keanu Reeves sequels. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> Two of them come out on the same date. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, a new try at a Ghostbusters franchise. Mm-hmm. We've got a Black Widow. We've got Wonder Woman 1984. Birds yeah. of Prey, Harley Quinn, whatever, whichever. Yeah, you're making me realize we have a big year in female superhero movies. Mulan? <laughs> yeah. That counts. There's a new Bond, No Time to Die. Which I'm always down for. Uh, the Eternals, Death on the Nile comes out mm-hmm. the, towards the end of the year. Uh, there's a Top Gun movie. A uh, new adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. Which, based on the trailers, I already love. <laughs> uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet sequels to A Quiet Place, to Peter Rabbit, to Halloween, to Crazy Rich Asians... To uh, Kingsman, The Kingsman. Yeah, it's a big sequel year, actually. Or yeah. sequel. At least those are the whatever. ones that people announce ahead of yeah. time. You know, maybe they're, they're announcing titles and just going, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not mentioning it here. Uh, Janelle Monet and the super intriguing Antebellum. Oh, yeah. Whatever that is. Excited. Whatever that's going to be. I don't know. Uh, there's another Fast and Furious movie, Godzilla vs. Kong. And Denis Villeneuve will try to do Dune justice. Yeah. It's not we'll easy. See what that, that is not easy. <laughs> um, well, that's it for us for this year. Maybe we'll try to do this again next year. I do want to remind people that uh, we have a Patreon page. That is the Fire and Water Podcast Network does. It's at patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. And so if you like this sort of content, please think about uh, leaving a one-time or monthly donation. And you can unlock rewards. <laughs> uh, that said, we also like your comments. What did you see this year? What did you like this year? What did you think of our stupid opinions about Joker? <laughs> Whatever you want. Uh, just drop <laughs> Drop it in at uh, fireandwaterpodcast.com. There's a, always a comment section or on the, you know, the Fire and Water uh, Podcast Network Facebook page or on Twitter. The Twitter handle is FW Podcasts. I guess we'll see you at the movies. Yeah. Because we're always there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>